As I said last night, who doesn't love a game five? I guess we'll find out later tonight whether or not Cleveland fans do. We don't normally do this, buddy, but we're apparently going to do something that has the shelf life of about five minutes. But it was it was necessary to check in with you at the ballpark. What are the vibes at Yankee Stadium, Zach Meisel? <laughs> How would I know? I'm in like a closet so that I can find a quiet space to talk to you. Give us the rundown. Are there mops next to you? What, what do we got? No, I'm in the corner of the press dining room, just standing here like a like a teenager outside of a boy band concert, waiting hours and hours in advance to get in <laughs> because I'm so excited to get one more crack at Yankee Stadium press dining. So we can confirm that you're just hanging out by the cookie tray. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, realistically, I need to know what the vibes are around the stadium. You got there super early. Only the media gets there that early. Public enemy number one, John Heyman, apparently arrived just ahead of you. What are the vibes in New York, dude? I would say, like, cute Midwestern chic. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, I mean, I think this, this team has sort of taken the approach all year of whatever. We're just going to go and do our thing and try to win a game. I don't think they buy into that. I don't think they get caught up in the hype or the storylines or the narratives or all the stuff that we spend so much time talking about. I don't think they give a damn. I think that's kind of what has made them, I don't know, like go like everybody who has said, oh, they're young, they can't handle the moment, right? Like this is going to be too big for them. It's like, if you actually pay attention to the scene and listen to what they say, you would know that none of that stuff matters to them. They don't care. So I think the vibes are the same. It's all right. Quick little trip to, to New York and, you know, we'll figure it out after that. Can you just confirm that I told you you were going to Yankee Stadium? Ignore how we th- I thought that they would get there. But I did tell you during game three that you would be going back. And I think you laughed at me. So, who was right all along? Just go ahead and admit it. All right. Can you tell me where I'm going tomorrow? <laughs> no. No, my powers only ex- extend so far. How, can you tell me how long Aaron Savali is going to pitch in this game? Yeah, that's, that's, so first of all, I, I thought, you know, I felt bad that the schedule has not really permitted me to uh, join you. You know, these night games are brutal and, especially game three. I think everybody wanted some sort of podcast, including us. Um, but uh, no one really saw that ninth inning unfolding the way it did. And next thing you know, it's three in the morning and, you know, you're trying to figure out what the plans are. Am I, am I going to Houston? Am I going to back to New York? Am I staying here for a couple of days? Are they going to win game four? Or what, what's going to happen? So it hasn't worked out. I, I think ever I speak for many when I say I enjoyed what you've been able to produce the last couple nights. But I thought, hey, I'm at the ballpark early. There's nothing happening. Maybe we can chat for just a few minutes about what might or needs to happen tonight. And that was the main thing. You know, if you're devising the perfect script in your mind, what does that look like? Is it Savali for three followed by Stefan Hench's 
Karen Sheck and Classe to cover the last six? I would think so. Is that the order? I mean, in the perfect world, don't you, you probably, who do you, like, give me your rankings of, because don't you want your worst of your, let's say you're going to use your four or five best relievers. Don't you want the worst of those guys facing the bottom of the order, obviously, and the best ones facing the top? If like, you, how can you map if, it out? Yeah, if you have your choice, that's the way you would go about it. Now, what you don't, um, you you could make that case, but maybe the, the bases are loaded, and yes, it's coming against the bottom of the lineup, but this might be when the game is decided. So that's mm-hmm. tough. We talk about these hypothetically, and it's easier to just think about it in a bubble, but you have to get the pitcher warmed up. You You have to be thinking two, three moves ahead. It doesn't always line up exactly the way that you would want. Having said that, yeah, I think you're on the right track. Ideally, you would love Savali to make it through the lineup a couple of times and have no real issues, and then you're set up tremendously. But that that might be asking a lot for a guy that has barely pitched and has not pitched in the postseason yet. And when he did come back, it was coming back from injury and barely got any taste of Major League action before the playoffs began. So I don't know what to expect. We've talked a lot about the bullpen being set up great, and it is. The thing that is easy to forget is you have you still have to get to those guys. And a lot of it's going to come down to what does Savali look like in the first few innings? I, I guess the only saving grace here for Cleveland is New York's feeling this very same thing about Jamison Tyon, are they not? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I, I I think you would choose Cleveland's pitching over New York's tonight. Uh, just New York has more guys who can pop up a 300 and 17-foot home run. So uh, I think that's sort of maybe where the fear comes in. You know, there's, there's another factor here, which is weather. I think a lot of people around the ballpark today are assuming this is going to start in a delay, which is fitting. That's perfect encapsulation of how Cleveland season has gone. Um, but, yeah, I, I – you know, part of me wondered if, if you were in control, would you – is Savali who you would pitch in the first inning? Or would you rather, like, I threw out last night, I said, would it make any sense at all to start someone like Stefan? That you let him face Judge and Stanton and Rizzo the first time and then bring in Savali for a couple innings? Or is Savali going to have to face those guys at some point anyway? And maybe, you know, maybe his curveball can keep those guys off balance one time. Well, I, I've always pulled myself in two different directions, at least more recently than I used to. I, I used to be in that camp where if I can get one of my better pitchers to face the top of their lineup once, that's one fewer time that it may be a guy that's further down the, the list of, of your depth chart, pitching-wise, has to face them. And that's still true. But I've also kind of thought about the way these games go. When you start a game, it's, it's like a choose-your-own-adventure book, and there are so many different possibilities, right? There are millions of different outcomes based on thousands upon millions of events that can happen because it's the beginning of the game. The further you get into the game, the fewer outcomes you're going to get because there's less of the game remaining. I've really struggled with how to put that into words. Does that make any sense? That the game almost bottlenecks as the game goes on. You start at the the bottom of the bottle and work your way to the top. And maybe it's like a funnel. Think of it that way. And it all funnels down to the one thing that happens. If you let Savali face the top of the lineup in the first inning, and maybe he gives up a run, 
that also is giving you nine innings where you can make up that run. If he has to face them in the fourth inning, and maybe everything has gone great up to that point, and then he gives up a run, now you have less time to make up the, the run differential that you've created by him pitching to the top of the lineup. So I, I don't know. I, I have not arrived at yeah. where I'm at mentally on the whole idea of starting with an opener. and it, It's not that I don't see the positives there of starting the game with Trevor Steffen, but could he be better used in a, a situation where later in the game it maybe is the seventh inning and one run could mean the world as opposed to the first inning when one run might eventually mean the world, but it might not. We don't know. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I agree with you. And I, I think, like, Savali is going to have to face those guys at some point, so you might as well just get out of the way in the first inning. I also think this is, like, the most obvious statement anyone's ever made, but if someone can just, like, take, like, a three or four nothing lead early, I can't eat because we're talking about this and going through the pitching plans, and I'm sitting there thinking, "God, I don't envy Terry Francona or Carl Willis. You got to pull all the right levers tonight." And then I'm thinking, imagine if like Cleveland put up a four spot in the first inning. How much easier that makes everything. You have a little bit of flexibility because there's there's you know we, we all talk as if Stefan and Karinchek and Classe are like guaranteed to combine for five scoreless innings. Like, that's not the case. I mean, any of those guys could very well give up a run at some point. So just imagine, like, the flexibility it gives you if you jump out to an early lead. And they did get to Tyone in game two. Um, but that's the other thing, too. I mean, the Yankees' bullpen is not in the shape that Cleveland's bullpen is. It's also just not as talented. So there are some things Cleveland can do that can make life much easier for the Guardians early in this game. Um, you know, the Yankees are going to see Cleveland's best relievers for a while tonight, no matter what happens. So, I don't know. It's going to be interesting. I have absolutely no clue. <laughs> That's what a game five is, dude. There's zero predictability, including what the weather is going to look like. And I think some had even factored that into their thought. If there's going to be some delay here, do you set up the pitching where you have an opener and then you bring in the starter? I think you're overthinking it because we just don't. We don't how are you going to control the weather? <laughs> I can't control anything. I certainly can't control what the weather is going to do. But... Yeah, I thought the government does that. <laughs> you're on the wrong podcast for that. I have wait, a relative. Wait, wait, there we go. <laughs> Will we see Shane Bieber tonight? No, I don't think so. He threw a 22-pitch side session yesterday because I know this is not the thinking people want to hear, but you you do still have to make some plans assuming you win. And Bieber is like the only guy who would be available to start a game one. And in order to do that, he had to throw his side session yesterday because you can't guarantee he's going to pitch today if he doesn't throw the side session yesterday. Um, so I, I heard he was basically just in an emergency situation. You know, if the game goes 15 innings, which never happens, then you might see him. But otherwise, I don't think so. Game five I mean, is an emergency. 
No, but I think you'll see De Los Santos first. I think you'll see okay. Henches first. I think you'll see who else? You know, the guy they're missing, sadly, on a day like this is Nick Samuels because I think you he's a guy who weirdly you like he'd be perfect to face the top of the order in like the fifth inning, right? Like he, he's a perfect matchup for Judge and Stanton. Yeah. No, I, I don't disagree. What about someone like Tristan? Could he give you an he, inning? Yeah, that's one name that I was thinking about yesterday. Uh, I, it's possible. I believe so. Can't get my day straight. Today's Monday, right? I think, yeah. And, and he started Saturday, so today would be his side day. Yeah, that's. I, I think that's an interesting option. I mean, you're not going more than an inning. You're not leveraging him more than you would be against maybe the top of the lineup or something like that. Right. But I, I, I can't... I, I guess I don't see a perfect scenario playing out where you need him because you, you feel good about the three guys at the back end and you're going you're gonna to go down... You're going to live or die based on their performance in this game, I really think. So is there going mm-hmm. to be a situation that plays out where you need Tristan? Probably only if Savali just gets drilled in the first inning and you have to go to the bullpen. And then you're stretching to the end of the game. But the way Tito managed in game four, he's at least given himself the option. All three in the back end could probably give you 30 pitches. And maybe that stretches to an inning and two-thirds or t- two innings or, or maybe even more. In the moment, yeah. did you feel that going to Morgan and then Morris and, and Plesak was the right call? Because I, we, we talked about that a little bit in the wrap-up show last night I did. That process-wise, I still, I still don't know if it was exactly the right call. But results-wise, I think they're set up better today. And in knowing that sure. the offense was never going to wake up, it's, it's going to benefit them in Game 5 that Tito went the way that he did. Yeah, of course. Of course. Um, you know, the only run they gave up was not entirely like Morgan's fault. So, yeah, and, and you said it last night. It's like you, you would take one run over four innings from your bullpen. You know, they needed to score runs. They couldn't cash in on their opportunities. I think you made a really good point about Garrett Cole kind of having him on the ropes and maybe being able to end his night after six innings, which would have helped last night and tonight making their bullpen throw another inning. Didn't happen. So, they need better at bats tonight, uh, but you're right. You could theoretically see any of those guys for multiple innings. And, you know, we spend so much time talking about the innings. It is the pitches, you know, and it's the effectiveness. And it's the, the stress connected to each pitch you throw. Um, Karen Tito talked all week about how, yeah, Classe threw 33 pitches. He threw two in the third innings. He had never done that before, but... Karen checked through 29, and they were all high stress because he was walking everybody and going to full count on everybody and had the bases loaded. So he was, he was reeling just as much, I think, the day after. So, uh, yeah, you, it's obviously all hands on deck. Trevor Steffen said, throw the pitch counts out. Um, should be fun. Should be interesting. We'll see what Mother Nature has to say about it. You know, we're all seeking whatever sleep we can get whenever we can get it this time of year 
And you being a, a new dad, you, you've been very familiar with that over the past several months. No, I can't use that as an excuse. I know. I know you said My that. My kid has slept like an angel since like six weeks old. Now that's, if there was a testing of the misel jinx that ever occurred, that is certainly it. <laughs> I make that point because I, I got up this morning. I was up late editing the podcast, sending that off. I know you were up late, then you were up early. I was up early getting my son on the bus, and then I told my wife, hey, I'm going to go lay down for a little bit because it's probably going to be another late night, and, and who knows what we'll be doing as far as show goes. So I'm going to try to get an, another hour of sleep or so. And so I went back to sleep, and then I woke up to a text message from you that was asking for a gut decision or a, a gut reaction to what was going to take place. And I didn't have an answer then. I don't think I have an answer now. I have no feel. Ran into... Uh, a family member out at lunch, and they asked me, okay, what, what are you thinking tonight? I, I don't know. I'm turning it back around on you. What's your gut feel right now? I don't know. It, it, it's a weird one. I, this is the type of game that this team has won all year where, like, they have no – like, I keep thinking back to the – remember when Shaw opposed McClanahan on that Sunday afternoon in Tampa. It was the rubber match of the series. And the lineup had Alex Call and Ernie Clement. And everybody was like, what? Are they, are they pumping this game? And then they won like 7-3. to three. And it's, they just, I think they play really well on the road. I think they kind of thrive in this sort of environment. And I got to say, like the Yankees, some of their hitters are terrifying. Because they could just, especially in this ballpark, they can go off at any moment. Harrison Bader, like that, for sure. Yeah, but like that pitching staff <laughs> is the opposite of terrifying when it's not Garrett Cole out there or Nestor Cortez out there. And there are some major holes in New York lineup, too. I, I just, I, I really think this is a coin flip. And we keep waiting for Cleveland to have that game where they just do what they do, string together hits. They run all over the place. I mean, they had a bunch of hits in game three, but it was going to be for naught if they didn't mount that ninth inning comeback. And otherwise, every single game has been like they score one or two runs on six hits. So I, I don't know. I have no feel, but like <laughs> if you're telling me that it's impossible for this team full of rookies and second-year players to win a game at Yankee Stadium in a winner-take-all situation, I don't think that's right. I think I think they have just as much of a chance to win this as New York. I think I think if Savali can give them three solid innings, that's all they need, and they can take it from there. I mean, this is all silly. The fact that we're sitting here talking about this, it's absolutely silly. No, this is not where we thought we would be at the end of this year. We're going to do it again. Imagine telling yourself in spring training, that you would be here. Game five, you're going to be in Yankee Stadium talking to me. And Aaron Savali is going to be on the hill. You're going to be counting on Trevor Steffen and James Karinchek, two guys that we we didn't know what to expect this year when it began. You're going to be counting on them for big outs in a playoff game. You're going to see Gabriel Arias at first base, and it's not the worst decision in the world, I guess. <laughs> Although I, I think people were frustrated with him defensively. The, the pulling the foot off the bag thing last night didn't bother me too much. He had to stretch for the throw, didn't keep the foot on the bag, whatever. 
but also just everything else. The fact that Oscar Gonzalez had a walk-off in Game 3. It's all absurd. Complete absurdity. So you said it's not a stretch to think that they could win a game like this? Of course not, because they've been proving us wrong and making us look silly and just melting our brains with so much of what they've done this year. So why wouldn't tonight be anything different? Yes. I mean, if, if you wanted a, a perfect summary of the season, it would be that this game starts with a lengthy rain delay, and then they just dink and dunk and dash all over the place. Right? That's, that's what they've done all year. Well, we're going to talk about it at some point. You know, everyone's going to be waiting up. If Cleveland wins this game, they're going to ex- be expecting you to join a podcast at some point. I'm just throwing it out there, so just be prepared. That's fine. I hope you are still awake at 4 in the morning. Oh, why wouldn't I be? Well, thanks for joining us for this pregame show. Never done one of these before. Maybe we'll do it again, hopefully, as the playoffs unfold. That was Zach at Yankee Stadium. I'm TJ, and you're you. Bye.